your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Daniel. This is a passage of Scripture that uh, we are all familiar with. It's not, uh, uh, this passage of Scripture is not anything new uh, to most of us in this room, if not all of us. In fact, uh, if you were in Phil's Sunday School class a few quarters ago, uh, he taught through the book of Daniel. But tonight, we're going to look at uh, really more so, you know, a lot of times when we go through narrative, we tend to focus on the individuals in that narrative rather than the work of God in the narrative. I know when I read sometimes through the narratives of Scripture, I oftentimes get amazed by how well Daniel responds to to God, or how Joseph responds, or how David responds. And, and I want to take and, and really look at the text this evening. We'll, uh, in just a moment, we'll be in, diving into the text. But as you can see on the banners behind, Psalm 33, 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the Lord stand, I'm sorry, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And when we, we look at the narrative of Daniel, it really should bring us to that response. It really should bring us to a response of awe and a, a response of fear. You know, Pastor Dwight has been preaching through Colossians in the morning and, and Genesis at night. And both of those books, both of those series, we can consistently see the goodness of God. You know, in Colossians, we have the opportunity to stand in awe of what we as Christian, as God's church, can be transformed, how we can be transformed into Christ's likeness through living with a central focus on Christ. In Genesis, I know he told me I, I wasn't in here last Sunday evening. I was with, uh, doing a Bible study with some of the deacons. And, but I, he told me about the message last week. And he told me that there wasn't a whole lot of positive in the text. But yet, even in the midst of all of that negativity in Scripture that we see, we can still see God's goodness. And so tonight we're going to look at this text here in Daniel, and really you could expand what we're talking about tonight into really the whole book of Daniel, but for the sake of time and us not being here for a very long time, uh, we're just going to go through Daniel 1 primarily. But sometimes I feel when it comes to God's goodness, and I was, as I was studying for this this week, I, I feel, and I know in my own life, and maybe I'm, you guys are much more intelligent than I am, but God's goodness sometimes seems, or that God is good, is one of those phrases that is likened to God, God's glory, or we need to glorify God. Well, because a lot of times we believe that God, we need to glorify God, or we understand the glory of God, but yet if we were to ask, how do I explain the glory of God to someone, or how do you define this to somebody, we pause and we're like, ah. Uh but I can tell you what it's like. I know I need to do it. I need to glorify God. But, uh, and we just kind of pause. God's goodness is kind of the same way. What does it mean that God is good? Like, we use that word good for so many different things in our English language. Like, lunch today, the orange chicken I had for lunch was, was good. But is that the same kind of goodness that God is, and I hope all of us in the room say no. <laughs> Orange chicken from Trader Joe's is not the same as God. And so I really want to dive into that we understand really God's goodness. 
You know, the word used in Scripture at, at its base definition, if you're just to take the, the biblical word, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, it really has the idea of something that is desirable or has positive qualities. One theologian described God's goodness in terms of his moral attributes. God's goodness has been defined as, as who he is and how he acts towards creation. Thus, the Bible describes God and his actions as pleasant, desirable, agreeable, and beneficial. I mean, you can't read through the Psalms without over and over and over again seeing God is good. And so to boil down the definition of God's goodness this evening, we can say that God's goodness is the action of his perfect character in relationship to his creation. That God's goodness is the action of his perfect character in relation to you and I. It can be seen in a variety of attributes. And so if you were to go into a systematic theology book and you were to look for God's good, that God is good or God's goodness, and, and I actually pulled three of them out of my desk as I was studying for this, and they all were pretty unanimous, a little different nuance in how they explained it, but really they began to boil down other attributes of God, three of which we sang in My God is a Righteous God, that we find that kind of fall under the fact that God is good. We look at God's goodness as, as that which, how he is interacting with you and I. And, some of, and they would say that God's attributes of goodness or his, those things that fall under his goodness are some of those things that we can, at some way, shape, or form, imitate ourselves. And one theologian actually, in a lot of them, they divided up in this idea of God's attributes of greatness and goodness. And those things of it that are great are like his, his Im, uh, immutability. None of us are going to be immutable. None of us can be everywhere present. None of us can be any of those things. But we can live holy. We can live righteous. We can live with love. Now, God does it perfectly. And we do it imperfectly. But we see all throughout Scripture that God is good. And if God is good, and we are told in Scripture, Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, that means we need to exercise goodness, the, these attributes of God's goodness in our lives. But God's goodness is laced throughout Scripture. Psalm 73.1 says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Exodus thirty three nineteen and he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Jeremiah 33, not sure, Jeremiah 31, verse 14, I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. Psalm 25, 7-8 Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Genesis 1, 25 and verse 31 God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle of their kind after their kind 
and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. New Testament, Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Matthew 19, 17. And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Mark 10, verse 18. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. James 1.17, this is a verse that I think when we think of good or goodness, the goodness of God, this is probably a verse that comes to our mind. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And 1 Timothy 4.4, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. You know, there are a lot of other passages, and I just wanted to go through, I know I read those fast, but it's just a small little handful of verses talking about our God is a good God. Tonight, I want us to learn and be reminded to stand in awe of God's goodness. When we stand in awe of God's goodness, it changes the way we live. You know, as we sang the song, My God is a Righteous God, and we came to the chorus. Three attributes, his holiness, his righteousness. I just blanked on the third one, but I'm not going to sing it for you so I remember. I don't want you to all get up and leave. But those are aspects of God's goodness. It's beneficial to us. So I want us to to think through God's goodness and I want us to see this narrative through the lens of God's goodness. You know, when I think of that, I love, this is one of my favorite stories in all scripture, the whole narrative of Daniel. Even when I was a kid, I loved the story of Daniel. I don't know about you guys, but I love the story of Daniel. I mean, you can't, there is so much excitement in the story of Daniel. And even the last few chapters where he gets into his prophecy and you don't understand half of it, it's still exciting to read. It's still exciting to see what's going on there. I remember I was, even as a kid, it was was at camp, at Camp Kobiak, and I think it was during family camp. I don't remember exactly what it was, whether it was a father-son retreat or something, but the assistant uh, director, Jim Harrison, was teaching the lesson to us. And it was, on, it was actually from chapter 3 on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I remember that story and, and, and him telling the story and him using the ladies' bathroom as the fiery furnace. And he chucked all of us guys in the fiery furnace. I, why I remember that as a kid, I, you know. But when I think of the stories here, and sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in the amazingness of the story that we forget to see the God behind the story. And, and, and mentally we know as we read through this narrative, if I were to read, really just tonight read through the narrative, we'd be like, yep, God is at work, God is at work, God is at work. We would say that. But would we walk out tonight thinking, wow, God is good? Or would we be thinking, look at how Daniel responded. 
And that's not a bad thing to see as Daniel, God has put Daniel in this, in this text here for an example to us. But I really want us to see really our big idea this evening is that standing resolved to live righteously flows from standing in awe of God's goodness. Daniel stood in awe of God's goodness. We all know the events of, of what Daniel was going through. And see, in our, the first main point this, this evening is that God is good regardless of our surrounding environment. Have you ever been in an environment or a situation, circumstance that just seems dire? Kind of discouraging? And it could be a variety of things. It doesn't even have to be actual oppression like Daniel was going through. The pressure of, of things that he was going through. But Daniel lived through multiple, a long time of captivity. Constant pressure to give in to living a sinful and wicked life. Do you think that Daniel just, did that happen? That Daniel was able to, as we will get to verse 8 here in just a moment, but we see that Daniel was what? Taken captive. See, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And he takes many men, young men, captive. And, and Daniel gets put up as in, in a position with all these other young men. And he's put in this situation with Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's Hebrew names, by the way. But Daniel likely had his early home in Jerusalem. He was probably around 15 or 16 years old. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. Even at 38, if I were put into such a pagan land as Babylon, would I have stood firm like he did, stood resolved? Why was it that Daniel was able to stand resolved? We'll see that in just a moment. But Daniel and his friends had pressures on them to compromise the holy lives that God had called them to live. See, the text doesn't reveal specifics of God's goodness as far as we see spelling it out to us. But look at how, look, you can look at the responses from, from the Babylonian leadership. You know, aspects he knew of God was his covenant faithfulness. Daniel would have known and remembered God's goodness. He would have heard, carried down to him as a young kid, what had happened to Israel through the history of Israel. And he saw the goodness of God. And he clung, clung, if that's even an actual word, but he clinged onto that word. Struggling with my words here tonight. He grabbed onto it. There we go. I'll just skip the word altogether. He grabbed on to the goodness of God. He saw God's goodness in delivering Israel from Egyptian oppression. He would have recalled God's love and mercy. And Daniel did not allow the surrounding environment to shift his gaze away from God's goodness. I'm not saying he didn't struggle. How many of us in this room would struggle if we were in that situation? We all would have probably struggled. 
You know, when we look at that environment, trying to bring it, to, bring it home a little bit and just, just picturing the environment and the surrounding environment that he was dealing with. You know, I'm not going to... Babylonian government and our government today is not apples for apples, but I would not say our government desires to live for the Lord. They don't desire to preach the gospel. They don't desire to have godly principles placed in front of place, people. Government level at, all, at each of the different levels. You know, our environment, our culture is, you, some would even say, is not far from what Babylon was. We have a very wicked culture. It's nothing new. The world's been wicked since sin entered the world. But we do have to deal with it. We, there's, look at immoral relationships. There's immorality all around Daniel. There's immorality all around us. Both in all types of immorality, not just what our mind immediately shifts to in that of, of sexual immorality, but immorality is those things that are not moral. Those things that do not line up with the morality of God, the goodness of God, the holiness of God. And here, this is the environment that Daniel is, is, is being pressured to not live holy. I mean, they were trying to teach, they wanted to teach these young men stuff. They wanted, to be, they wanted to brainwash these young men from Israel. They changed their name, took God out of their name. They had an ungodly agenda. One commentator said this about, about the circumstances, the pressure on Christians and relating it to us today. He says, the pressure on Christians to change their thinking today comes from the print media, movies, and television, as well as from teachers. For example, we have all experienced the pressure of our society trying to change our thinking about homosexuality and calling it an alternate lifestyle. Books, even on the elementary level, teach children about all of these things. They teach children that this is a good alternative, but yet God calls it both shameful and a perversion. Romans 1, 26 and 27. We live in a world, in an environment. And the question is, are we going to stand resolved? If we're going to stand resolved, we have to be mesmerized and awed by God's goodness in our life. There's a humanistic agenda in our, in our society. There's a materialistic agenda, pragmatic agenda. You know, you look at kind of the, it's a very self-serving mentality how many full-service gas stations are there today? <laughs> I just use that as a silly illustration. But it used to be a big thing, right? Where, where people would serve you and, and pump your gas for you. We don't even want that anymore. If someone were to, I've, I think I pulled up to one that had both options, and people would re, 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 say, no, I don't want you to fill it up for me. I'd be like, sure, it's really hot outside. You can fill my tank up for me. What about customer service versus company service? There's a really big company right now. I was even talking with Jim about it. Wazlowski about it this morning. That could potentially go on strike by the end of the month. It's the company versus them. 
versus the people. And, and then typically customer service struggles. Is it the company or the people that matter? All these things, there's this self-serving mentality. Whatever you're a part of, that's what you want. All too often, it seems, though, that we as Christians tend to do just that. We focus all too often what is wrong with our society. If I were to ask the question and to describe our society today, describe our environment, how many of you would start describing it with positive words? I don't think I would. My question is, are we failing to see the goodness of God? Are we failing to see the goodness of God around us? Last week, how many of you remember sweating in here? This morning, people were complaining it was too cold. Did you know that's God's goodness? His mercy and grace on our church's life? Something small. It's a very first world problem. Pretty sure down in Brazil they didn't have a whole lot of air conditioning units. <laughs> but our central focus has got to be on God's goodness. Daniel did not focus on the problems, but on the solutions necessary to live a personal, holy, and righteous life. So are you letting the pressures around you keep you from seeing God's goodness? On our missions trip, I remember... And I think it was mentioned in some of the testimony, but I'll repeat it anyways. I remember we got on train, I think it was in between Erfurt and Munich, and we were all supposed to be sitting on car 10. We walked through car, well, we got on the wrong part of the train to begin with. We got in car like three. We walked through four, and we walked through five, and we shoved our way through six, and shoved our way through seven, and eight, and nine, and by then I figured out how they were being numbered. And we walked through, and I'm like, okay, this is our car. But every, all, the scenes weren't available. It was car 11. So I walked back the other way. Oh, that's car nine. Where's our car? And there was a little bit of tension going on. Not just with us, but with others who were supposed to be in car 10. It was very easy for us to forget to see the goodness of God. We just got done serving at a camp that God's goodness was all around in the creation itself. And we allowed the pressure of not having a seat, even though we were still getting to where we needed to be, get to us. We were not seeing the goodness of God. David, in Psalm 27, 13, and I'll mention this probably a couple times tonight because it was, it's really a verse I was reading in my devotions that kind of spurred this message. But he, he goes through and he says this in verse 13, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the context of that passage, and if you're looking, in some translations doesn't, doesn't have the phrase, I would have despaired. Really what that verse is talking about is that David had utter confidence in, the very, in God. He's saying, 
I am confident in God. I would have despaired. I would have fainted. The idea is, I am so confident that if it weren't for God's goodness, I would faint. I would have fallen. But David was confident in God. You and I can be confident in God. So not only do we see God, God's goodness, God is good regardless of our surrounding environment. Regardless of what's going on in your life, God is good. Regardless of what it is, he is still holy, he is still true, he is still loving, he is merciful, he is gracious, he is righteous. So then we see Daniel's resolve. Look at verse 8, and this really is kind of the key verse for the evening. But Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank, So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. The verb there made in the other translation, the ESV, I believe, translates it resolved. Um, The King James translates it purposed. The word here is that takes that nuance of of an established position. Establishing it in his heart. He he is resolved. He's not going to move from this. Daniel had predetermined in his mind, he had made up his mind that he would not live unholy. He would not go against the law of God in his life. See, we see God's goodness here provides the grounds for the Christian's predetermined resolve. Sorry to get big words and long in there. But God's goodness provides the grounds for the Christian's predetermined resolve. When I was in college, my best friend and I thought it was good to lose weight. So we decided to come up with the Daniel diet. We figured it worked for Daniel, and look at how amazing he looked after 10 days. So my best friend and I decided we would do the Daniel diet. We lasted three days, and we quit. We were getting grumpy and ornery and we decided maybe God was specially helping there in a special situation with Daniel and we just gave up. His, his fiancé at the time was very happy. My best friend's fiancé was happy that he gave up because he was getting grumpy. <laughs> I probably was too. But Daniel had purposed. I did not purpose. I said, hey, this is a great idea. There wasn't a whole lot of established aspect there. Daniel had confidence in God's goodness. And it helped him stand resolved to not give in to the pressures around him. You and I have got to stand resolved that God is good. You know, we sing it. We sing about God's goodness. You know, there's, we, we use the phrase, God is good. He's good all the time. He's always good. Daniel knew what was right and did not want to partake in something that would defile himself based on the laws of God. He refused it all. Because he had a faith in God and God's goodness is seen in God's faithfulness. 
Daniel believed in God's faithfulness. Daniel believed in the very goodness of God and God rewarded Daniel with that faithfulness. So parents, what are you as parents doing now to help your children see the goodness of God? I truly believe Daniel's parents helped him see the goodness of God. Daniel clearly remembered the history of God's work in Israel. Parents, what are you doing? Grandparents, are you helping your grandkids see the goodness of God? For all of us, what are we doing now in our life to allow God's goodness to impact it? What's your devotional life like? Is the goodness of God impacting you in your devotional life? Is it impacting you to have a devotional life? What about a prayer life? A serving life? Daniel was in a horrible environment. He didn't have a local church to back him up. He had three friends, based on what we can see in Scripture. And it seems as though eventually he didn't even have that at some point. But Daniel stood resolved. He saw God's goodness. And even in the face of being thrown into a pit with lions, he saw God's goodness. He saw God's holiness. And really, much of Daniel can be talked about. You really bring out the holiness of God. In order to overcome the pressure to compromise our holiness, we need to have an adequate preparation to pursue holiness. Are you prepared to live righteously? When you wake up in the morning, what are you doing to to prepare? Part of Vacation Bible School, I'm going to be emphasizing a little bit, it's not the main emphasis, but a little bit of the armor of God and the story of Joshua to the kids. We need to be prepared to combat unholiness. Daniel desired to live holy as God is holy. He saw God's goodness through God's holiness. Are we living separate from those around us? Are we living separate from the world? Not weird on purpose. But I've If we're weird naturally because of the hope that lies within us, that's okay. You know, there may even be unsaved people who walk in our doors. Maybe even young believers who walk in our doors and think, this is weird. (laughs) I don't get it. Just kind of uneasy about it. Well, if they're young believers, go find that person and mentor them. Put your arm around them and do life with them and help them see this isn't weird, this is normal. They're weird. (laughs) And then we also see that God's goodness aids in responding respectfully to ungodly opposition. Verses 9 through 13. So we really see Daniel continuing on here and he's understanding that God is good. God's goodness, he, he is who he says he is 
And God will be good. He trusted in God's faithfulness in his life. And we see, first of all, a humble attitude. Look at verse 9. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youth who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. So here we see this, this guy come and say, Daniel, I, I, I don't, this is not a good idea. I'm, I'm going to lose my life. How does Daniel respond? But Daniel said to the overseer whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Daniel didn't demand it. Daniel didn't come to him with an arrogant attitude saying, I am better than you because my, the God I serve is the one true God. He didn't come yelling and, and screaming at him. He came with a humble spirit. He didn't demand an arrogance. In fact, in his humility, he, he gave an alternate suggestion. He cared about this, this man who, who was in charge of them. This, he, he's showing love and concern for this heathen person in front of him, this unholy person in front of him. And so we see a compassionate attitude as well, not just a humble attitude. Daniel was gracious towards those who were in authority over him. Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When we see the goodness of God, and we, and we meditate on the goodness of God, and we let the goodness of God impact our lives, it helps us to respond biblically and respectfully to those who are ungodly. Maybe even those who are opposing us. Believers today may disagree with official policies and even with each other, but they should follow Daniel's example in disagreeing in an agreeable fashion. We get so bent out of shape over so many things and we fail to see that God is good. He's in control. He is sovereign. Which is the other attitude we see in Daniel is that he had a trusting attitude. There was no doubt in Daniel's mind what God would do. He made this commitment it's like how, just for 10 days and, I, and when we stand before the king, you'll be okay, we'll be okay, everything will be okay. Because he believed that God would intervene and work. If we truly believe in God's goodness. You know, sometimes I think in our own prayer lives we, we really don't believe in God's goodness. That God is good. We need to trust God. So we see here in these verses, 9 through 13, we see God's goodness aids in responding respectfully to ungodly opposition. God's goodness. And then also, lastly, God's goodness results in God's good rewards. Now this is not the prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm about to preach. 
However, the Bible clearly teaches that obeying God and glorifying God brings blessing into your life. You can't read Scripture without seeing that. Now, in our finite minds, we think our blessing and the good things God does for us should be X, Y, or Z. (laughs) When in all reality, it might be A, B, or C. But what do we see? How do we see God's goodness in Daniel's life as he yielded to God in his life? Gave him good health. Daniel lived quite a long time. Even when he was thrown in with a bunch of lions, he gave him good health. <laughs> and even in this passage, we see what? That he was what? He and the three, his three friends were stronger and were healthier than all the ones that ate of the king's meat. Wealth, he was put in positions of leadership in the kingdom. See, many other avenues of God's blessings we see through the passage. The blessings God shares with Daniel are to show God's glory in his person with the world. The reason God wants to bless you and I is because he wants to glorify himself. We can walk through Scripture looking at the adverse examples of fearing God. In other words, those negative examples of not fearing God and, and how when the fear of God is not before someone, sin is enacted and, and they, their struggle, their sinful struggles and, and disappointments. We can be such a negative people. And we fail to see the goodness of God. To borrow from David in the land of the living. I remember being on the missions trip. And I remember walking through, touring through Vienna and even Erfurt and some of that. And I remember there was this, a time where I was just decided to go. I went and explored by myself. I'm walking up these streets. I'm seeing all these people. And my heart just broke. How many of them are actually going to see the Lord or even have, understand the goodness of God? There are people all around us that need to hear the good, about the goodness of God, need to see the blessings of God, and we need to focus on the positive. We need to, when, I, when we look out and, and we see life and we wake up in the morning, we do need to make sure that we focus on the goodness of God, not the negative things around us. Look at the negative circumstances in life through the lens of God's goodness. Because we see that God reveals his power here in this narrative with Daniel. We see God's power in our own lives as we see God's goodness. So what response does God's goodness draw from you? What response does the goodness of God draw from you? Are you truly in awe of God's goodness? And not just academically but practically. Are we living in awe of God's goodness? A 
Like I've mentioned, we say God is good. We sing it. We remind others that God is good all the time. What is the, that's one of the big things we say all the time when someone's going through a tough time. Don't worry, God, remember, God is good. Do we even know what we're saying? Do we, does it really, rec, does it, rec, does our mind recollect really and think about and, and contemplate what we just said to them? Is it manifesting in your life? Daniel meditated on, God, meditated on God's goodness and it let it sink and let it sink into his heart. It resulted in a resolved stand amid pressure to sin and disobey God. Our theme this year is to stand in awe of God. And part of standing in awe of God is standing in awe of God's goodness. And yes, this passage of scripture that we the story of Daniel, it doesn't say that he he focused on God's goodness, but you see it there. You see, he desired to live a holy life that didn't just come out of thin air. See, standing resolved to live righteously flows from standing in awe of God's goodness. If we're going to live righteously, and this isn't a lesson that's new for us as far as how we're supposed to stand, how we're supposed to live, but are you allowing the lens of life, how you view life, how you live life, to be pressed through the sieve of God's goodness. Do you see God's goodness? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, we see a response in, in a, a young man and as he got older, an older man, constantly going to you in prayer constantly seeing you as who you say you are, remembering what you had done for the nation of Israel. And Lord, you used him to share future events with. And he, saw, he foresaw your goodness. Lord, I, hope, I pray that us tonight would not leave tonight without truly meditating on your goodness. There's so many ways that you show, you, you show your love and your mercy and grace and how your holiness should impact us, your righteousness, your true, your faithfulness. So Lord, I pray that we would truly allow your goodness to, to change us tonight. It is in your name we pray, amen.